G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're talking about attitude today. There's research on what makes people successful. It suggests that only 12.5% of success is determined by knowledge. The other 87.5% comes from attitude. Now, It's much more than skill, knowledge, or aptitude. So, are we born with a certain good or bad attitude, or can we choose our attitude? Does having a good attitude determine whether we will make progress or suffer crippling defeat? Well, some think that it's all about having a positive attitude alone. But some have taken that to an extreme and not left room for God. So what is a healthy attitude for a Christian believer and what sort of attitudes are shaped by our past? Well, our attitudes can be really messed up. Messed up when we've been unjustly wronged or we've suffered some form of abuse or we've come from a dysfunctional background or our attitudes may be affected by having seemingly uh, insurmountable health issues or all sorts of different struggles like that. So If the person who was closest to us were to make an assessment about our attitude, what do you think they would say that our attitude is like? Well, this is where our conversation is going today with our special guest, Wendy Burns, who's back with us. She's the author of the book called Remarkable You. Wendy Burns is the executive director or one of the executive directors on the John Maxwell team, having joined the John Maxwell University. Wendy Burns, a special welcome along to 2020. Well, good morning, Neil, and thank you for having me back with you today. (laughs) Wendy, we'll get into your story in just a few moments, but let's talk attitude in general and the way that attitude makes a difference. In fact, you call it the difference maker. Uh, How important is it to think about attitude and sort of separate it from other things and just make this a bit of a focus for us today? Oh, look, I think attitude is, attitude actually is one of my favourite topics because I do believe it is a difference maker in our lives. And, And you mentioned it, it's about something we get to choose. But I want to even throw into that today and I say, you know, what if it's a muscle that we get to exercise and grow every day in our journey of life? This, this muscle of attitude. Okay, when we talk about Christians, we talk about biblical foundations, uh, is there something that comes to mind for you which sort of sets us in the right place to start a conversation talking about attitude? Uh, How do you describe attitude even from a biblical type of a way of defining it? Well, I believe we have a, we have a responsibility um, a, as a Christian to think about how we're experienced, how we uh, speak to others, how we uh, speak to ourselves and what goes on in our mind and in our hearts. And I'm talking about that underlying attitude. And, and I love for me the Philippians 4 scripture. I think it's Philippians 4, um, 8 or 6, 6 to 8. No, I think it's eight. Finally, think on these things, you know, these things that are good and wonderful and lovely 
and pure and virtuous and praiseworthy. For me, that's about the biblical sense of attitude because attitude goes across, uh, like I said, it's an inside job. It's, it comes out of our words. It comes out of our behaviour. And um, even anybody needs to consider attitude. But as a Christian, I think we even need to work harder in that space. And of course, you've got the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, haven't you, where mm. he reflects on what's in the heart. And this might be a, a part of what we talk about when we talk attitudes. But uh, when he says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, Matthew 15 mm. verse 18. So there's this sort of inwards feeling, this inward uh, sense that we have that will manifest itself in our lives and usually, first of all, out through our words and then our actions. So this uh, this whole issue of the heart here is uh, very much about attitude. Mm, very much so, because what, what we empower devours us. If we've got this bad attitude in our heart that we empower every single day because we feed it, um, it, it will uh, devour us. It'll, be, it'll take over and that bad attitude will take over everything. And, and like it says in Matthew, what's in the heart comes out. What comes out of your mouth, it comes out in your behaviour. Okay, let's assume for a moment uh, that listeners to our conversation today are going to place themselves in the, uh, in the place where we can humbly say, well, I've got a few bad attitudes and what do we do about those? Uh, the interesting thing is the, the likelihood is that everyone has bad attitudes from time to time and uh, those are likely to be shaped by the things that have shaped us in our younger years. How does that sort of tend to work? Yeah, we, we can be. Well, we are shaped by what happens to us in our younger years and we are shaped if we allow them to shape us, the things that come across uh, our life, our circumstances every single day. And, and we can use those uh, circumstances or things, as we call them, to affect who we are and who we become. And that is through our attitude. For me, oh gosh, I had the smelliest attitude for such a long time. It was really quite stinky till I realised that what my attitude was not only doing to others around me, but worse still, what it was doing to me. So attitude is the difference maker. As, you know, in, I've seen it play out. I see it. Uh, whether you're a leader or not a leader, you can't afford to ignore the importance of attitude. Well, you know, we can talk about attitude as an individual and what that might do for the way you feel about the circumstances of your life. We could talk about attitudes within families and anyone who's raised a family uh, knows that uh, you've got all sorts of attitudes to deal <laughs> with uh, when you're raising children. Uh, but then you've got the workplace attitudes as well and these are the sorts of attitudes that might determine the success we'd have in a career. Uh, and then there's the attitudes that we might have towards our local church and towards the mission that uh, Jesus has given to us. So a great commission to go into all the world and uh, preach the gospel, making disciples of nations. So there's attitudes work across all of these different dimensions and some of them are going to be a little bit different along the way. Uh, you primarily, Wendy, are, are about helping people to understand attitudes uh, in a workplace environment and, uh, and getting your life back on track when you've had a really dysfunctional background. Uh, what for you is the, is the primary focus when you talk about attitudes? I think it all comes back, Neil, to that values-based leadership. And we're talking about self-leadership as well as leadership in the workplace. So attitude for me is one of the values 
uh, that is important to me. And I think it's one that we can all do to re, uh, refresh and review and reflect on to see where we sit in that space of attitude. So yes, attitude in the workplace. If I'm uh, working with a client that is wanting to hire somebody or engage somebody in a role, the skill base is one thing, but attitude is a different thing. Quite often I would encourage to employ on attitude that you, where you can train up on some skill base because attitude is so uh, important. It's, it's, uh, it's part of the core, the core that's inside of us of who we are. The interesting thing in all of this is that for some people, and we might be able to even identify people in our own circle of friends and acquaintances, we might be able to identify people with a good attitude and people with a bad attitude, but maybe even the way we're filtering that might be skewed a little. But let's talk for a moment about this idea of a positive attitude because I know that in a lot of you know sales training and uh, those sorts of things that might get you to your peak performance in the workplace, uh, oftentimes they'll have this focus on having a positive attitude, but positive attitude in itself may not be enough for the Christian believer. Give us some insights here into these sorts of different styles of attitude that you might think about. Yeah, I, I, that's a great question because a positive attitude, I think, has almost been uh, overdone by the world. You know, you've just got to be positive and it will be okay. Uh, that's not necessarily always the case. But what we do have to do is exercise that muscle of attitude choice. So being a being positive doesn't always make the circumstance or the what's going on around us or the bad event that you know being caught in that victim place go away. So you know being positive is not going to help. But as we start, well, it may, but it, it won't help long term. But I believe as we start to look at it through a different filter, because if we if we look too much through this positive, we miss the importance of thinking about, I think with positive there comes that gratitude uh, and thinking about, well, where do I fit within all of that? But also, where is my attitude in that? We can, we can try to be positive, but still have a smelly attitude or have a, a poor attitude um, and just think, well, you know, I'm going to be positive and that's going to make the difference. But what if it's not? You know, what if we all have bad experiences and things happen? It's what we do with those experiences will define the, the, uh, who we become and the attitude we have to that experience. So there is a difference, uh, and very much so. Wendy, you use a very important word, I think, when we're having a conversation about attitude, when you said the word victim. Uh, the idea of a victim attitude, the idea that uh, woe is me, I'm hard done by. Uh, give us some insights here into what might be the opposite to a good attitude. And this idea of a victim uh, really covers a lot of uh, the bad attitudes that we might hold. Yeah, look, and you're right, victim, we can get caught up in that victim mindset, can't we? Uh, where we think, oh my goodness, you know, I'm a, it always happens that, you know, the victim attitude seeps out of our words and our actions, tainting ev even everything that we touch. But you know what? Everybody has bad experiences, some worse than others uh, and some, some not, not as bad as others. And nobody likes bad experiences and they're part of our everyday journey. And we can choose whether we stay in that victim mindset that will taint everything that we do. I mean, everything that we do. Or we can choose to think about, well, what, how can I turn this around? How can I become resilient in this space? How can I turn this around for good in my life? See, we start to then, when we make that decision, 
our viewpoint in life changes and we start to see the difficulties in a different way and we start to then exercise this attitude muscle. How can I turn this? And it is a muscle that you grow every day. And I, I know I keep um, going on about this attitude muscle, but it's not something that it just is there. It's something we have to work on and we have to grow towards so that we can be aware of where our attitude comes from and what it can do for us. Now, I'm asking listeners today to respond to a question. The question says, what matters most in the pursuit of success for Christians? Knowledge, skills or attitude? And uh, I think, you know, we've already established that attitude is the key here. But there are going to be some who are going to come up with some alternative ideas altogether in what might be the thing that matters most in the pursuit of success for Christians. Because... If we're going to be asking a question like that, we also have to define what that word success might mean. And uh, that's a challenging one too. And it has a different uh, set of uh, positions that some people might take there. But uh, when we talk about knowledge, we talk about skills, and we talk about attitude, clearly they're all important, but, uh, but it's the attitude that's the clincher here. Yes, yes, I agree. Look, knowledge, skills, all of those things are important. Our education, all of those things that give us that skill, those skills and that ability to be able to uh, step into a workplace are all really important. But the clincher will be the attitude because you can have all the education in the world, but you can have a really poor attitude. So then when you step into a workplace, and I'm using a workplace as an example, people are not going to see your skills. They're going to feel your attitude. You know, quite often we think that that attitude uh, doesn't matter, but it is the difference maker. Okay. It isn't everything, but it is the difference maker. People can see your skills, but they can feel your attitude and uh, apply that to all of those dimensions we were talking to a little earlier. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talk back line open. You can join in our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. Respond to that Facebook question and uh, enjoy the conversation, though, because we're about to get into Wendy's story. Now, I mentioned Wendy is the author of a book called Remarkable You. We've had Wendy on a number of times now and so many wonderful dimensions to explore in her own story. Uh, Wendy, your story is not a fun story. It's got a lot of serious dysfunction function in your background and and that's going to be illustrative of how you talk about how you adjust an attitude here but take us uh, into your story and where attitude uh, makes all the difference for you. Sure thank you Neil. Well as a child of 13 um, I not only witnessed my father commit suicide I handed him the gun that he took his own life with. So my, my early years were quite violent up until that stage, being raised in a home with alcoholics and, and quite a lot of violence. On the night my father took his own life, my uncle sexually abused me. So there was a, a compounding um, shame and guilt uh, happening within me. Uh, my mother went on to commit suicide when I was 17. So I had started to grow up seeing that this world was not a very nice place to be in. And there's certainly a lot more in, in that story. There's a lot of detail that I won't necessarily go into that. But what happened for me in that, I started to pick up this world owes me attitude. The world owed me something. I was bitter, I was angry, and I was so, so resentful for my life. 
And this came through in every part of my life, every part of my journey. Uh, you know, why wouldn't I think the world owed me? I'd been through hell and back as far as I was concerned. But what I was doing was putting myself through hell and back because of uh, what I was becoming out of that. Uh, I was not, uh, I was not making, um, I was allowing attitude and I was allowing the history of my past and that victim mindset. And I considered myself a victim. And, you know, in the world's eyes, maybe rightly so, I was a victim. But when I was 34, I made a decision to accept Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. And in that moment, there was a realisation for me that I actually could make a choice, that I didn't have to continue down the same road that my parents had showed me and that the behaviour that was happening within me because of what had happened uh, that was being experienced external to me by those around me. I had a choice on how I became or who I became. So I, I worked to change my attitude once I realised that the attitude was a difference maker for me because it was so entrenched in every part of my body, every part of my mind, every part of my actions. And when that happens, it actually seeps out of your skin like garlic. It becomes like this ooze out of you. People feel it when you walk into the room, uh, even before you open your mouth. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. So, so, Wendy, when we think of you now, Wendy Burns, sweet and wonderfully spoken and, uh, you know, level-headed, uh, you're far from the victim when we listen to you espousing lots of great wisdom on so many things these days. But uh, I wonder whether uh, we can hear something of your heartbeat because you said you didn't come to know Christ until the age of 34. That means you've got a number of decades there where all sorts of things were simmering under the surface. And and I know by your own assessment, you were very nasty, you were angry, you were bitter, and you were resentful. Is this the way the victim attitude shows itself in our lives? In many cases, absolutely. Not always, but in many cases, absolutely. And that's exactly what it was happening for me. I saw myself as a victim and I was living in the history of being a victim because we do that. When we're a victim, we live back there. We don't want to let it go because it actually uh, gives us an identity of who we are. We identify with that victim and we choose to stay there because really it is a choice, I believe, that we choose to be a victim. Bad things happen. Horrible things happen. Dreadful things happen. And we can choose to let it take our life totally, or we can choose life. Well, our identity, when it is in victimhood, it's going to bring forth these sorts of fruit. Uh, you mentioned earlier those sorts of fruit that we might read about in, uh, in Philippians uh, mm. and in Galatians. Uh, those sorts of fruit, uh, they're different when you've got a changed attitude the outcomes of your life are going to look different. And so here we talk about, you know, the value of the Christian gospel here because the Christian gospel is very much about these roots that are uh, put down in our lives and the fruit that is born from the tree that comes out of those roots. Uh, there is a certain sense here in which the sort of attitude you choose to have is going to determine the sort of fruit of your life. Oh, very much so. And, and the scriptures tell us about renewing of our mind being renewing our mind and that comes from renewing our mind in the word because transformation haps, happens within us doesn't it 
Transformation happens within. And as we start to transform within by the word of God, and that's what happened for me, being able to, to come back to what this word meant. And, and I, I love the fact that we can acknowledge our limita limitations and we can pick up the declaration of the word of God. And that enables us to be able to turn around uh, our life and, and exercise that muscle. Sure, uh, having the right attitude doesn't guarantee happiness, but it does guarantee a change within the, uh, the inside of us. We are talking about some very profound things here because for some people they think, well, in the moment that I believed that I became a Christian, that I was born again, something happened in my intellect and I intellectually decided that uh, I would believe in Jesus Christ. But one of the effects of what happens when we put our belief in Christ, our trust in Christ, and we surrender to him is that we surrender also uh, all of these nasty, angry, bitter, resentful attitudes of our past. And so we might assume that when we are born again, that when we come to Christ, that we're believers, that things are going to change from that point because we surrender those attitudes. Is it a hard thing to surrender those sorts of attitudes, Wendy? I think it becomes a daily thing. I think it is, you know, it doesn't, you you make a decision for Jesus and you go to bed and you get up the next day and guess what? You're still in the same circumstances and those same things are around you or, or perhaps you might think still within you. But it is a daily choice of thinking, okay, what do I need to do today? Because we need to take an action. When you read my book, it talks about an action after every chapter. We get to make an action. God works with moving vehicles and it requires us to take an action towards the change that we want to see. So the action may start by reading the word and then thinking about how do I apply that to change how I'm behaving or how I'm thinking. So it, it, certainly it is hard to surrender it, but it is the most worthwhile thing that I have ever done in my life. And an important point you're making here, because when you've got a daily change, a daily submission to God, and oftentimes this is where we'll encourage believers, uh, you know, read your Bible and pray, do that daily, have a time of daily devotion. Mm -hmm. This is the time that you surrender your heart and surrender yourself to, you know, the, the divine surgeon who's going to deliver us from those sorts of attitudes and create something new within us. In other words, uh, Christ-likeness. Uh, uh, let's just focus on this because we're just almost at news time. The idea of this sort of thing happening daily because, uh, you know, once those bad attitudes are dealt with, uh, they do have to be tended, otherwise they can rear their ugly head. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, a habit that I started uh, was straight away was to be in the Word of God, even if I didn't understand it, and I didn't understand it. It was later on in life that I really started to truly understand a relationship with Jesus. So what you're talking about is surrendering in a relationship to, to Jesus, to God, about who we are. And I love it in Psalm 5. It talks about, um, in, in the Passion Translation, that each and every sunrise you, uh, we hear the voice of God as we prepare and pray to Him and we lay out the pieces of our life on the altar uh, to Jesus. So that is that surrendering daily that God will use his Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and guide us because his word tells us that if we lean into him, he will guide us into the very plans and purposes he has for our life. But it is a daily surrender. Wendy, let's come back to that question we asked just before the news. I do want to invite listeners to join in this conversation. one 316 316 
But I was asking just before the news if we haven't changed attitudes to, according to the way we would see a biblical right attitude, does that make us weaker when we're talking about our workplace or in the business environment that we're in? Because this fear that somehow or other, if all of a sudden I'm going to become uh, Mr. Nice Guy or Mrs. Nice Guy, that somehow we'll be walked over. Uh, Do you have some sort of thoughts about that? Sure, and that's a, that's a great question. I don't believe it makes us weaker. I think it makes us wiser because when we're aware of our attitude and the, even the attitude of those around us, we have more control over how we're perceived and, and what we do. And why do I say that? So, see, I believe to be successful, we need to disown that sense of helplessness or hopelessness within the workplace. And what happens when, and I'm not talking about specifically bullying type in, uh, situations, that requires a totally different answer, but I'm talking about every day within the workplace. So when we're looking at our attitude, uh, I don't believe it is being walked over. It is about thinking about, well, I don't make excuses. I have a, a I can do the job uh, mindset. You know, I can do environment where, uh, where you work with people to solve the problems or to deliver your job. You know, you model a whatever takes attitude to your team if you're the leader or, or if you're part of the team. Um, you can also, you know, challenge people to take responsibility for their performance if you're the leader, absolutely. Uh, but also challenge yourself to take responsibility for your own performance. You can help everybody become, uh, feel valued and important as part of the team. So it's a different mindset of attitude. It's not walk all over, but it's about stepping up and taking responsibility for yourself and the, and the others if they're under your responsibility in the workplace. Funny, isn't it? Sometimes we think about having a Christian attitude and we make an assumption that it's about being nice. But it's not about being nice, but about being good. And, uh, you know, God is good. I mean, that's the way we think about goodness. Uh, That would be the way that, you know, some managers and leaders feel that their strength is in their aggressive, uh, uh, bad attitude towards workers. It goes on the other foot too, though, that some workers feel that their position is to be combative and even nasty in the workplace uh, towards the boss. There is a certain sense in which, uh, in which both the worker and the boss come into uh, to view here, into focus, when it comes to attitude. Yeah, very much. Like certainly uh, you, you have those bosses in the workplace and sometimes those narcissistic type uh, um, bosses that will just, no matter what you do, they're going to bully you and, and that needs a whole different um, uh, outcome. You'll also have the worker that chooses to not perform uh, and has a really poor attitude and of course requires a, a different outcome and that's a different, a different way of handling that. But on every day in the workplace where we can get to choose to how we deliver the job we're employed to deliver the, to to uh, we take home our pay packet so what's our attitude in making sure we deliver well we and you said it before it's about christ in us so how are we perceived are we a good worker that's about attitude do i turn up on time that's about attitude do i respond in a nice way and not snappy when somebody asks me to do something that's a good attitude so it's not being walked over it's being responsible for the choices that we make day to day in that workplace Uh, and i think that's really important and also about uh, not being in a whining zone as an employer or an employee. And there's a great quote, and I just pulled it out while the news was on, uh, from a man called Tim Hansel, where he talks about attitude in the workplace. 
and he wrote a book called Through the Wilderness of Loneliness. And this is about attitude, right? It is difficult to receive when our fists are clenched. It's impossible to embrace when our arms are closed. It is difficult to see when your eyes are closed. It's hard to discover when your mind is made up. And a heart that has sealed itself off from giving and, um, and knowing uh, has the ability to receive nothing and not to receive love. So, so our attitude, it causes us to clench our fists. Uh, it causes us to cross our arms instead of embracing. Uh, it causes us to close down our hearts and our minds to others around us. And I imagine that opening ourselves, uh, not having the clenched fist uh, when you're in the workplace, whether you are the boss or the employee, uh, if you begin to open that clenched fist, open your own heart, you are going to risk being hurt here. Uh, But where the rubber hits the road in the change of attitude that you might bring into your circumstances, uh, there is ultimately going to be change that will be for the better. What's your advice to people who are saying, well, you know, I I can't leave my attitudes aside. This is the identity I have as the boss or as the worker, but somehow rather making that change and and what might be expected to be uh, that might expect, uh, what might you expect that will get better in the workplace? Well, and it's a great question. And when you say I can't leave it behind, my challenge would be, well, why can't you? Uh, if you can't leave it behind, what can you do to bring about some change? I mentioned earlier about the importance of values-based leadership, and this is about coming back to the values that are important and about our, our character, and that's all based around uh, our, our attitude, uh, whether we're the leader or the employee. You know, we often say we can't do something, but I would challenge and say, well, but what can you do? Yeah. Wendy, earlier on you mentioned that scripture, Philippians chapter 4. And it's verse 8, and it is one of the most popular scriptures that, that Christians often will uh, learn off by heart, uh, where Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. I wonder whether you've got some thoughts about how we allow things to impact our thinking, that that's going to affect the way that we come across and the attitude towards everything we do. Mm, that's, a great, that's a great way of looking at it as well because it's what we think in our minds, isn't it? And I love that scripture. And it goes on to say in 9, um, whatever you've learnt and received and heard and saw in me and do, do it and the God of peace will walk with you. So as we start to learn, we start to think in our mind. The power of thinking, our thoughts matter. Uh, What we think actually comes out in our behaviour, so our thoughts matter. So if we start to think on what is lovely, what is good, what is pure, and, and it is, again, it's a muscle. Our mind is a muscle that we have to exercise in a good way. We can think on bad things, but what if we think on good things? What if we start to respond in a different way and be responsible for our emotions? Because what we think on affects our emotion, our emotions, I should say. Uh, and when we think on uh, things that are not so helpful and uh, not so nice, it causes an anxiety within us. And we want to turn that around, don't we? We want to hold on to hope. Uh, This is where it's more than just a positive attitude because if you say positive attitude, that can mean all sorts of things, but how do you define that uh, positive? 
come to that scripture in Galatians chapter 5. This is another one of those really powerful biblical insights for people who are saying, well, what am I supposed to be like? Uh, how am I supposed to get some way of, of uh, discovering what it is to have the right attitude? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul talks first of all about the fruit of the flesh. And I won't go through all of those, but then he goes on to say, this is what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. This is what your changed attitude looks like. So for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. And that is, I imagine here, if we're talking biblical definitions, there's a definition of what it is to have a good attitude, Wendy. No, oh, very much so. And, and in Galatians, if I remember rightly, it also talks about to continue to live through the uh, Spirit's power and wait confidently in the hope uh, that things uh, will put, put right through faith. So taking that, that word of the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, hope, joy, they're the good things. They're our attitude. They're the things that we, we almost put on like a coat every day, don't we? We talked earlier about uh, submitting and surrendering on a daily basis. We can actually ask God to place those things within our heart on a daily basis that I will think on joy. For example, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, I believe, joy. And for me, joy is an offshoot of leaning into the Holy Spirit and, and, and looking to God. It's not our joy. It's, be, it's being strengthened by the joy of the Lord, His joy. So that becomes part of uh, affecting that transforming from our bad attitude to our good attitude. Interesting, isn't it, that sometimes we think of joy and if we're going to give that some level of definition, we're thinking about a sort of a happiness. Uh, But happiness is not guaranteed even when you have a good attitude. I wonder whether uh, you've got any thoughts on how attitude works with happiness and uh, if you're going through a tough time, it's pretty hard to be happy. And uh, you might try and put a smile on your face. It might not be easy to smile if you're going through a health crisis or a work mm. crisis. Uh, but there is a certain sense in which you can have the right attitude. But at the same time, it's not that guarantee for happiness. What are your thoughts here, Wendy? Oh, that's such a good point because it's so important. Attitude is not a guarantee of happiness. But what it does is it... If when we, we think about things through a different way, so our attitude, the filter that we start to see things through in a different way, it doesn't mean we did deny the reality of the circumstances we find ourselves in. It just means that we acknowledge that even through the toughest circumstances, we have a way through. Uh, you know, we do, and that's where it comes back to that Philippians. We find our way through with God because, you know, being uh, thinking we have to be happy to have a good attitude, I would have failed dismally. My attitude was not always good uh, and it, it did not depend on my happiness, but one without the other came together. I could start to work on my, my attitude, which started to make me feel different on the inside. You know, when we talk attitude uh, and the way that it actually brings a sense of longevity to our lives because, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got the attitude that stinks, you are more likely to be inclined to make wrong choices, wrong decisions. And uh, I would suspect here that we're seeing the strength of what it is to hold a Christian faith and to have attitudes like we've been talking about these past few minutes that will give you a certain sense of longevity because it'll give you a purpose to live. It'll give you 
a sense in which uh, you are strengthened through the circumstances because a lot of people are crumbling under the pressure right now, even with COVID yes. circumstances around the nation, uh, even to the extreme. And let me just go there and cut to the chase. I mean, people suiciding. Uh, suicide yeah. is on the increase. And attitude has to have something to do with the way that we approach the issues of our lives. And this is uh, even deepening here. And I I wonder whether you've got any thoughts in your own story here around just where your attitudes can take you in a wrong direction and what difference it makes to go in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, for me, suicide is such a big thing. Not only did my parents commit suicide, but I also uh, attempted suicide myself. And, you know, the final turnaround for me was that one day when I felt like I'd lost everything, that I was prepared to take my own life. And that was that moment when I realised that I needed to reach out to Jesus to be able to, um, if I was going to survive. And not even knowing that I was, I reached out and Jesus stepped in. See, we all experience those bad times where everything is hopeless around us. Well, if when we, we can t- find... Yep. Sorry, you go. Uh, I was going to say, if we're talking about attitude as a survival technique today, then there'll be a lot of families much more intentionally interested in how we actually deal with this choice that we make around attitude. I wonder if we could come to some practical things, and uh, we've already touched on a number of practical things, like the idea of choosing your attitude and making that a, a daily ritual almost, where you make that choice. I suggested that it was in that time that you might have, uh, in a devotional sense, uh, reading some of the Bible and adjusting those attitudes daily. But so far as practical things go, those are a good start, aren't they, Wendy? Oh, very much so. It is about... Uh Practicing being still before God is part of it. Uh, just, just Let me just wind back for a moment. Our attitude can't stop our feelings, but it can stop our feelings stopping us. So, so being, being aware of our feelings, uh, we, they're still going to come whether we're, we're choosing to exercise that attitude muscle. So what we can start to do is to start to, as I said, acknowledge our limitations, acknowledge the anxiety, acknowledge what's going on inside of us, will help break that anxious thought. Laying down our expectations before God, coming before God, spending time in the Word, and picking up God's Word and declaring it. You know, for me, I used to declare the Word of God over me every day, and, and truly in those moments, this is a really tough time. For so many people, you know, but we can, we can do our very best as we walk with God to turn adversity into advantage. You know, it's, you know, turning our attitude to an advantage in this time. You know, we were talking about whether you align yourself with a biblical view, aligning yourself with God, whether that in fact disempowers you in the workplace. And we came to the idea that actually it will ultimately empower you to have attitudes aligned with God's attitudes. But when we talk about this whole issue of our well-being, of our survival, the idea of uh, being empowered here by God's Word, because what we're talking about here is actually taking control of your life when you surrender control of your life to God. So it is, in a sense, taking control. It is an empowering thing. So rather than just... Uh, letting life control you, you actually move to a position of strength when you have faith in Christ, when you're aligned with Him. This position of strength is really important, I suspect, for a lot of people right now. 
Oh, very much so. That's where we can, the only place we can get our strength from. I think it's in Psalm uh, 23 where it says uh, the name, the authority of Jesus is our strength and peace. The comfort of his love takes away our fear. Psalm 23, I think it's verse 7. For me, I, even over this COVID time, that's been my go-to, my scripture. See, we, we're faced we face something every single day and in the weeks ahead we will continue to face lots of things. We are in a time of uncertainty but one of the things that we know for sure Neil is God, it's not uncertain to God. He is at work in our past, he's at work in our present and he holds our future very firmly in his hands and and if the only thing that you can do today which will be the best thing that you can do is hold on to his promises and trust that he is good so picking up that word of God and for me I used going back to Ephesians 6 putting on that full armor every single day because we're not only we're fighting against the principalities and powers that are in this world that's part of what we're up against every single day so girding ourselves up in the word of God girding ourselves up in the armor of God As I've found myself saying time and again of recent times, because we know that God is good, that means that he has the best intention and goodness for us as individuals. And when we talk about tapping into God's goodness, recognizing he has a good plan for our lives, uh, the idea that we have this difference being made in us personally, this also is a little bit contagious and it flows on to others because Mm -hmm. uh, if God makes the difference in our attitudes, then that attitude's going to flow over into our family, into our workplace, into our wider community. What are your thoughts here for the way that uh, this is a little bit contagious and, and people will catch our our attitudes are uh, very much so it is incredibly contagious they'll catch your bad attitude uh, and they will catch your good attitude just like you know wouldn't we want wouldn't we want a good attitude to spread right across the world right now what a different place it would be if we could start to just impact one person today just impact one person tomorrow it will that's we talked at the beginning of the call about attitude being the difference maker what if what if we started to spread a contagiousness of, of, of a good attitude, of a, a time of hope? Okay, we are running short of time here. And so just to, I wonder whether, Wendy, I mean, given your background, your own story, which is such a powerful story, and I know that there'll be listeners who can relate to that and recognise that, well, for 34 years, when you didn't know Christ, you were going through a dreadful circumstance and all of these things had shaped your uh, personality, your uh, your attitudes, you were angry, you were bitter, you were resentful. I wonder whether you're uh, able to lead us in a prayer today because I know that there'll be people thinking, you know what, I, I need to have a fresh start. I need to have an adjustment of my attitudes right now and uh, perhaps this could be an opportunity to speak into people's lives and to bring a prayer are you are you happy to lead us in a prayer here wendy absolutely i'd be honored right. to do that well why don't we just uh, well, let me take a moment and if it's safe to do so bow your head with us and uh, we'll just bring god into the circumstances that there might be listeners in all sorts of even survival mode circumstances right now. Let's let's just open ourselves to the presence of God as Wendy prays. Thanks, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, through whom all blessings flow, 
I just pray right now for the people that are listening to this call, no matter where they are in Australia. I just lift up your name over them. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you will, we know you descend time and space. Uh, you see all and you know all and you know where people are today. I pray for the listeners on this call today and those that listen to the recording, that they will find a hope in you, that they will find a purpose in you, that they will find a way forward in you, that they will be able to reach into you and into your Holy Spirit and that you will touch them, that you will lead them and guide them, just like it says in Jeremiah, that they will see the hope and the plans and the purposes that you have for their life, that this too will pass that there is a hope and a future for each one, for each one of us, that we can look to you because you are the God that knows all and sees all, that you are a good, good father. You are a good, good father, that you love us unconditionally, that it doesn't matter. It does not matter if we've got a smelly attitude or a stinky attitude or we're very much at our wit's end, that we've got nothing left. You are who we have. You are there for us. Even when we reach out in those moments like I did when I was ready to take my own life, you moved in because when we reach out, you step in, Father God. So right now, if there's any listeners that are at that time in that space where they've got nothing left, I pray that you will move in across their life right now and let them know your presence. Let them know your peace and let them know the very goodness of our Heavenly Father. And I pray this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Wendy, uh, thanks for such a wonderful prayer. And I know that so many listeners will have prayed along with that. And uh, a great conversation, as always, uh, touching on these elements. And your own story just magnifies uh, the way that God transforms a life. And uh, certainly appreciate you very much. Let me point people to your book. And we've had a number of conversations about it, I'm sure, uh, you get contact from listeners every time we talk about your book. But your book is called Remarkable You, A Journey to Discover Hope Within. And uh, you'll be able to get a hold of Remarkable You at remarkableyou.com.au. Remarkableyou.com.au. Wendy Burns is an executive director on the John Maxwell team, having joined the John Maxwell University. Wendy, you used to do a lot of speaking engagements. Uh, COVID put a little bit of a close down on some of those. Uh, are you available for people if they want to do a Zoom meeting or some ways to uh, involve you in their either their workplace or their church group or however? Are you open to that? Absolutely. I'm doing lots of virtual speaking opportunities and uh, work calls. Okay, so connect with Wendy Burns at remarkableyou.com.au. Wendy, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Oh, Neil, thank you for having me back again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.